This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. Massachusetts wants to keep more kids out of the juvenile justice system. Now, the number of young people entering the system rose in 2023, according to the state. But a program that gives kids support instead of detention has been effective at reducing the chances that they'll offend again. So the Commonwealth is expanding it. But critics say that means kids don't get the consequences that they should. Melissa Threadgill is Senior Director of Policy and Implementation at the Massachusetts Office of the Child Advocate, is here now to talk with us about the program and its expansion. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I'll note the office was instrumental in design of this program, uh, funding, uh, you know, executing it. So let's start with this thing is called a diversion program. What does that mean, Melissa? Absolutely. So at the most basic level, diversion is simply a decision that someone with power in the justice system makes to keep a kid or an adult out of the system. So if any of your listeners have ever been pulled over for speeding and the officer gave them a warning instead of a ticket, they were diverted. A diversion program is a little bit more formal. Um, The idea is you make a deal with the youth to say, look, we're not going to bring the charges forward in court. We're not going to prosecute you and give you a record. And in exchange, you're going to work with this program for a while. Uh, We're going to identify some of the factors that are going on that might have led to the delinquent behavior. And we're going to work with you to try to avoid those in the future. And it's mostly kids who commit low-level offenses, as it's called, who are diverted Correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the program is open to a wide variety of cases because there can be situations with a crime that might be considered a little bit more serious, but there's some underlying needs going on, some unaddressed mental health challenges, difficulties at home. And so we're open to a wide variety of charges, but for the most part, lower level offenses are what's coming to the program. And I'll note that the increase in 2023 was also mostly in the low level offenses area. Yes, it was. All right. So you used a key term there, Melissa, which was in exchange, right? Um, And the in exchange part seems to be at the heart of the design of this program, which, as I understand it, the research has demonstrated is 10 percent more effective. That's probably not the way to say it. Kids who are going through go through a diversion program are 10 percent less likely to reoffend than kids who don't. So what goes into this in exchange? What what services do kids get? What requirements do kids have? If they don't go through the system, they go through this diversion program instead. Yeah, absolutely. So the first star is the youth meets with a diversion coordinator. Um, and they have a conversation about what happened and what's going on at home and what's going on at school. They do a screening for any mental health challenges, any substance use challenges, any history of trauma. Um, They'll talk with the youth's um, parents if they're available and, you know, other important people in the youth's life. And together they develop a diversion agreement. Um, And this agreement will be um, a series of things that the youth is going to do. Um, We try not to make it overly long, Right. To be effective. What does that mean? What is long? Mean? Yeah. Well, we don't want to have 18 different requirements. Mm-hmm. Right. That sets a, a, a child up for failure and we want to actually help them succeed. And so we'll identify some um, things they might do. So one example might be uh, that we identify that one of the reasons why the youth was getting into trouble is they don't have a lot of positive activities in their life. All right. Let's identify an after school program. Right. That's going to help you develop into you know, the competent adult we want you to be, let's get you involved with it and you're going to keep going. Um, Another factor might be, why don't you meet with this diversion coordinator and talk through what led to the incident? What triggered you? 
how can you in the future identify those triggers, calm yourself down, make better choices? Strategies. Strategies. Um, Another option might be if the youth committed a harm to the community, how can we make that right? So we've gotten a number of youth that have come in on vandalism charges, right? So maybe they spray painted the side of the school. Well, let's go over and let's clean that up together, right? Like, let's make right the harm that was done. And so we look for a variety of strategies that are identified to help get the youth onto a better path and also make right the harm when that's possible. So we're speaking with Melissa Threadgill, who's with the Massachusetts Office of the Child Advocate about a diversion program, which is alternative to basically uh, youth incarceration in the state um, that has research shows working and the state is expanding to southern counties in the state. So now we've just talked about how this diversion uh, works. I do want to understand before I give you some pushback, and I will, uh, I want to understand why it works. What is it that works in that? Is it the the attention? Is it the accountability? Is it the strategies? What do we know about why it works? Yeah. So one thing we have to talk about is why doesn't the traditional justice system work as often as we'd like it to see it work? And when we say, okay, when you say the traditional justice system doesn't work, what's the traditional justice system supposed to do for a kid when it is working? It's supposed to, um, the the primary uh, focus of the justice system is supposed to be rehabilitation, which is just the notion that hopefully they're not going to go on to commit further delinquent offenses. Um, but research says that when we look at youth that might be diverted or might not, the ones that are diverted are actually less likely to go on to commit further crimes than the ones who are. About 31% do, uh, according to uh, research that was reported in the Boston Globe, versus closer to 41 or more percent if they're not participating Absolutely. in the immigration program. Yep. Okay, so now back to the why that works. Yep. So there's a couple factors. One is uh, there's something called, it's called labeling theory. It's the notion that if you take a kid in into court, they've got a lawyer, you're in a courtroom and you're in front of a judge, you start to get this notion that "Hmm, I must be a bad kid, right? I'm a bad kid who does bad things. If you tell a kid a story about themselves, they'll believe it. Exactly. Right. And so that kid starts to absorb, I'm a bad kid, bad kids do bad things, more likely to go on to commit other offenses. There's also the the justice system can take a kid out of school. A lot of court hearings are in the day. Separating a kid from school, you know, we know has consequences to their academic performance and it can create a downward spiral. I think the other factor in diversion is it can move a little bit faster. Court processes are slow and that is actually on purpose. Um, Diversion can identify what's going on in that child's life a little bit sooner and address it a lot faster. Um, And so I think that's another reason why diversion programs are more successful. So um, are they as successful with kids who uh, commit I don't know, we call them low-level offenses, mm-hmm. so I'll say higher-level offenses, mm-hmm. not vandalism, but something involving physical aggression mm-hmm. or breaking and entering, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. The majority of the cases that we receive in our diversion program are actually youth coming in with what's called simple assault and battery. Now, that sounds scary. Uh, what it is actually is two kids got into a fight after school, um, or we see a lot of domestic incidents where a youth might assault someone in their own um, own household. And uh, 
Obviously, those aren't good behaviors. We don't want to encourage it. But there's usually something going on underneath that. And if you can address the issue, so maybe it's helping the youth and their parents work through their own challenges and learn to interact in ways that don't involve violence, um, you can prevent future incidents from happening. So uh, back in September, we had Boston Police Commissioner Michael Cox here on the show. And you may recall that at that time, especially in Boston, there were a string of youth violence incidents in the city, small, medium, and large groups of youth um, in the downtown area uh, uh, committing small, medium, and large acts of violence. Yep. Uh, and here is Michael Cox at the time. There's been a lot of reform around criminal justice. There's been a lot of reform around particularly dealing with youth and kids. And some of it, is, it you know, rightly, deservedly should be changed around it. But if it gets to the point where some of them feel as though that they're not going to be held accountable at all and there's no consequence... Uh, I worry that the behavior could potentially get worse. And that is a pushback we've heard elsewhere. The Boston Globe wrote a story earlier this year on diversion programs and cited Larry Calderone, the president of the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association, saying that youth crime is out of control. Um, Peter Moskus, a professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice and a former Baltimore police officer, says he thinks that diversion is being overused and that sometimes kids need to suffer consequences. Um, What about that thought that sometimes there needs to be a punishment for your behavior in order for you not to do it again? I would say let's look at the research. That that sounds nice. It sounds like a nice theory. But research actually suggests that adolescents react um, much more to positive reinforcement than to punishment. That means that punishment doesn't actually do much for a lot of adolescents. Um, what diversion does instead is says, okay, let's focus on what are the behaviors we want to see you doing And how can we reinforce those behaviors and create circumstances that are more likely for those behaviors to happen? If you don't get at the root cause of what's leading to the behavior, you're not actually going to see the change. Now, I want to be clear. There are consequences involved with the diversion program as well. If you just don't show up, right, you you just stop returning the phone calls, the text messages, um, that case gets reported back to the court system. And then the court system can decide, do they want to move forward with that case or not? So I don't want anyone to think out there that this is just a a free hall pass. Um, Instead, it is an opportunity to work with someone in a way that research tells us is going to be more effective in changing their behavior. We're we're speaking with Melissa Threadgill of the Massachusetts Office of the Child Advocate about the state expanding a diversion program for kids who otherwise would be in the juvenile justice system. You said punishment. The research shows that punishment doesn't do much for a lot of adolescents. So I ask this question as a genuine question. Is there any research out there that says that for some adolescents, punishment is the effective choice? Do you know? So everyone in society is different. And so we've had a punishment-focused system for a very long time. And yeah, of course, there's going to be some people for whom the fear of punishment um, has an effect. I don't know that the punishment itself, frankly, does very much, but I will acknowledge that I think the fear of punishment can. Um, and that's so why deterrence. Deterrence, absolutely. And so that's why that um, that is still hanging out there. 
And that might be a good idea or not, but that is how our system is currently structured in diversion. Um, but again, it's about sort of focusing on what's likely to actually make a change in behavior. And I will note that from the National Institute of Health, uh, both, quote, both theory and research suggest that harsh physical discipline is likely to undermine adolescent efforts to express autonomy, autonomy and relatedness, uh, end quote. So a little bit of research there. In our last, you know, 30 to 40 seconds, so tell me, where is this program? program getting expanded into how many kids? Yeah, absolutely. So we are currently fully operational in five counties in Massachusetts. Uh, we are in Middlesex County, Worcester County, Essex County, Hampton County, and Plymouth County. We are so excited to be expanding to Bristol County as well as the Cape and Islands. Uh, we're currently in the process of hiring um, some more excellent diversion coordinators. And as soon as we get those folks hired and trained, we're going to be open for business. Do you have any idea how many kids, more kids you could effect with this expansion? With this expansion, I think definitely um, several hundred a year. Um, but it really depends on the referrers. I think we could handle, take thousands more kids in this commonwealth, but we need to get everyone on board with going in that direction. All right. Melissa Threadgill is Senior Director of Policy and Implementation at the Massachusetts Office of the Child Advocate. Melissa, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me.